Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3 tonight. And of course, we want to recognize our good friends, Prophet Leonard and Sister Jessie Ford with us tonight. Amen. Good friends and wonderful people of God. And if you were here last Sunday morning, you heard what the Lord said through Brother Leonard about our body, and he's echoed that through other voices, and we believe it. Amen? Now, uh, the worship team didn't have any idea of knowing that I was going to be talking on the name tonight. Amen? Preaching on the name. The I am is what we want to look at. The I am. And uh, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, uh. It says, and God said unto Moses, well, let's start in verse 13 so we can get our context. And Moses said to God, behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they say to me, what is his name? What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, notice, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am hath sent me unto you. Now we're going to look at some different things tonight, but I am in its essence is a blank check. God says, You tell them that I am sent me to you. So he's saying, Whatever you need me to be, that's what I am. Whatever you need from me, that's what I am. And God said that this was his name forever where his people were concerned. He said, my name forever is I am. So whatever we need him to be, he is that right now. He is the I am. Now, this is important because whatever we need him to be, he is. Now, notice something. I want you to see something. In the book of John chapter 8, this is important. To to understand the concept of what we're talking about, the I am, to understand, well, let's go to John chapter 8, and then then I'll get into that. I'm not going to try to hurry. Y'all not in a hurry, right? Not going to dock me or anything. Hallelujah. I mean, you don't have anywhere else to go anyway. Y'all are saved. You don't go to the clubs. <laughs> so, right, I hope. <laughs> Praise God. So the only place to go is home for a sandwich, and you can eat that anytime. Now, I'm not going to keep you any later than, than we need to. But notice in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus is talking to the Jews And he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. 
then in John 13 and 19, Jesus says, now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am. The word he is in italics. You may believe that I am. Then in John 16 and verse 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, the Amplified Bible says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you, presenting all that I am. And it points you back to Exodus chapter 3. All that I am. And then, finally, in uh, John 18 and 5, now, there's an important reason for this. (coughs) Excuse me. John 18 and 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. They came and Jesus said, who do you seek in the garden? And they, Jesus answered and said unto them, I am. Again, the word he is in italics. It wasn't there in the original language. Jesus said, I am. And you'll remember what happened after that. 300 to 600 soldiers were knocked flat by the power of God. Because Jesus stood up in the garden and he was making them to know that he was not just a prophet from Nazareth that was speaking to them. The creator of the universe had just spoken to them and they could not take him by force or might. He had to give up his right to defense and go with them of his own free will. Now this is so important because notice that Jesus says, we just saw it one, two, three, four times, In the Gospel of John alone, Jesus said, I am. Now, to understand why he's saying this, I taught this over the about the Holy Spirit some. You have to understand the Trinity. The Bible says, of course, in the Old Testament, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. But all throughout the scripture, you don't see the word Trinity, but you see it inferred. Even in the Old Testament, when they use the name of God and they use the word Elohim. It's pluralized. It's the word God's. When, when the Bible says, and God said, it's Elohim. God's said, let us create man in our own image. Well, we know how man is created in the image of God. Spirit, soul, and body. Man is a tripartite being. Because God is a tripartite being. He's one God, but manifests in three persons. Amen. And so when you look at this and you see Jesus, we we look and we see in Exodus 3, and we refer to that being that was talking to Moses as God. But here Jesus says, I am. Look in Genesis chapter 1 real quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because notice something. It says, chapter 1, of Genesis verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Is that what it says? God created the heaven and the earth. Go to John chapter 1. I hope you brought your page flipping finger or your swiping finger or whatever you're using. John chapter 1 verse 1. 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Yet I thought Genesis 1 said God created. Here it says all things were created by Jesus. Are you following me? So it's not this argument that people have between is there three or one and a oneness theology and a trinity theology. The trinity is clearly seen in the scripture. It's to see that they're one and the same. Because remember something? When Ananias and Sapphira came to Peter in the book of Acts and they lied about what they had done. And Peter said this. He said, you've not lied unto men, but you've lied to God. And then when he, talked to Aunt, when, when he talked to Sapphira, he said, how is it that you've agreed together to tempt the Holy Ghost? But he said it previously they lied to God. Then he said you lied to the Holy Ghost. Well, if you read Genesis chapter 1 again, when it says God created the heavens and the earth, it says in chapter 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it says the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness, hovered over the face of the water. You have the Trinity in the the creation of the earth. Now, this is important into what we're going to get into. And then Jesus comes along, and he starts saying, I am That I am. Notice in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is important to understand. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. And verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, or because of that, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name. One translation says, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, there were some things going on some time ago, some some, uh, differing opinions about the name of God. And there are people that say, well, you know, if you're going to use the name of God correctly, you have to use this certain name. And it was the, the Hebrew name, and it was, it was what was used in the Old Testament. Hear what I'm saying when I say this. I'm not arguing with anybody, but I'm telling you, if we are a New Testament church, and we have our theology base in the New Testament, then according to the New Testament, there's one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, and it is at the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the way you come to the Father is through the name of Jesus. 
This is important because every name that you see reference referencing God in the Old Testament, seven compound names of God that each describe not just something God does, but something that God is, all of those names find their victory in the one name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you see this? God does not have to become something. He is currently right now all we need Him to be. Amen. God is forever connected to that name, I am. Jesus is forever connected to that name, I am. Amen. So let's look at this. There's seven names that God's given himself in Scripture. And each of these names, God has revealed an aspect of himself. But keep this in your mind. But they're all found in the name of Jesus. They're all found in the name of Jesus. They're all found in the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14. Genesis 22 and verse 14. Are you with me tonight? Genesis 22 and verse 14. This is, of course, when Abraham had taken Isaac to Mount Moriah to offer him. And the angel of the Lord stopped him. And notice it says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Jehovah-Jireh, meaning the Lord will see and the Lord will provide. The Lord will see and the Lord will provide. There are things that we read in the Scripture, and when you understand these seven compound names of God, you understand why there can be such an assurity in the Scripture. The Apostle Paul, who knew these names of God, wrote in Philippians 4, and he said, But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. So God is the God that sees and the God that provides. That's not just something God does, that's who He is. He is the God that sees and the God that provides. In other words, what he's trying to tell us is this. There's not a need that I see that I won't provide for in your life. There's nothing that I see that you need that I don't want to do for you because this is my nature, because this is my name. I will supply all of your need because I am Jehovah Jireh. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 21. Jesus has a large group of people. Amen. More than 5,000. It says there were 5,000 men besides women and children. And notice this. The disciples came and said, what are we going to do? We don't have enough food for them. And Jesus said, well, feed them. And they said, 200 penny worth of bread won't feed them. And what did it say? What do you have? What do you have? Jesus, the I am, said, what do you have? 
when they brought the five loaves and the two fish, they were not just placing them in a man's hands. They were placing them in the hands of Jehovah Jireh. I see and I will provide. So he saw these 5,000 men besides women and children that had a need. And when he took the bread, he blessed it as the great I am, as Jehovah Jireh. And it multiplied in the hands of the disciples because he saw and he provided. Hallelujah. I am the Lord that will see and provide. Say it right now. God sees my need and he'll provide it. Hallelujah. Notice this. Notice Exodus 17. Exodus 17 and verse 15. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Exodus 17 and verse 15. This, of course, is when (coughs) Moses and the children of Israel had overcome their enemy. And look, it says, Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah my banner. Jehovah my victory. Jehovah my banner. I am your victory. It's not something he gives. When Paul said in the scripture, now thanks be unto God, notice something, that always causes us to triumph. How? In Christ Jesus. It's not something that we have to obtain. I don't have to obtain victory because the I am is on the inside of me. Victory lives on the inside of me. You are victory going somewhere to happen. There's no defeat in the body of Christ because Jehovah Nisi in the person of Jesus Christ is, the, is present. And when he's present, victory's present. He is my banner. He is my banner. He is my standard. Everywhere you go in the spirit realm, that standard is waving from your spirit that God himself is your victory. That's why no man will ever be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I am Jehovah Nisi, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Glory to God. You can't be defeated. You can't lose. You can't be beaten. You can't be defeated because the greater one lives on the inside of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And when you see that, when you understand that, that's why John could say, You can't lose because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. He had a revelation that the God of victory lives on the inside of you and you can't lose because victory is in your DNA. My God, my God. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
talking of Jesus and having spoiled principalities. You know, spoiled there, and you know this, but but it bears repeating. Spoiled there is not like uh, your milk went bad and spoiled. Having spoiled, having overturned, having trodden underfoot, having brought into subjection. They didn't never have a chance because they were up against Jehovah Nisi. Somehow, the Bible says that Satan remained ignorant of the fact that he was dealing with God himself on the cross. He thought he could kill him and get him out of the way. But when he crucified Jesus, he just released all of those seven compound names that were on the inside of him to work in the new creation believer that will take God at his word. The Old Testament saints could know God in the singularity of these names. We know him in the plurality of these names because we know him through the name. And when you say, Jesus, help me, Jehovah Nisi shows up. Jehovah Jireh shows up. Jehovah Rapha shows up. There's nothing that you cannot achieve or receive because the entirety of God is in the name of Jesus. So having spoiled principalities and powers, principalities, the seat of ancient authority. Old demons. These guys have been around for eons. Holding sway over cities. Over nations. And he said he spoiled them. And powers. All authority. How did he do that? Made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. In what? His cross. He triumphed over them in his cross. He showed, I am Jehovah Nisi. When Jesus led, the Bible says that Jesus went into the belly of the earth. He went into Abraham's bosom. He went into that part of Gehenna, that part of hell, that part of Hades that was cordoned off by a great gulf where those that had believed in God and Jesus by faith, the Bible says he went there and he preached the gospel to them. When he preached the gospel to them and they saw the one that they had believed on by faith, the Bible says that he led captivity captive and he led them to the gates of the new city and they begin to call out from the new city lift up your head O ye gates before the king of glory who is coming in and they said who is the king of glory he said the Lord strong and mighty <laughs> only Jehovah Nisi could do that Understand, God the Father, oh Lord help me, could not die on a cross and go to hell. Right? Because he had been the one that made the covenant with Adam and told Adam, I'm giving the authority 
over the world to you. And when Adam fell and sinned, by his transgression, Adam made God an outsider on the planet that he created. But God prophesied something, and you know what he said. He said that the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head, crush your head, and you'll bruise his heel. Then God spent hundreds of years to find a man that he could enter into covenant with, and he found that man in Abraham. And the Bible says that God made a covenant with Abraham and promised him a son. And then the Bible says that when Isaac had grown, that God said, Now I want you to take your son to the mountain that I'm going to tell you and sacrifice him there as an offering to me. That was a test of the covenant. God found a man that really believed in the blood covenant. God needed Abraham's son. Why? Because God needed his son so he could get his son into the earth. Because it was his son that was going to die, go to hell, and redeem us. But he didn't go as a prophet. See, that's what the enemy didn't understand. Oh, I hope I'm helping you. Because death and hell turned around and God's there. What do you do? How do you do this? Right? He had invested, remember, all power in that name. That's why the Bible says that there's coming a day after the thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, after Satan has been defeated forever and cast into the lake of fire, that the Son will once again turn and put all power and all authority back into the hands of the Father. It's not that God doesn't have the authority, it's that He has invested it in the name of Jesus. He's invested it into the person of Jesus Christ. And whenever you say Jesus, you're saying Jehovah's to Sid Canoe. You're saying Jehovah Nisi. You're saying Jehovah Shalom. Everything God is has been invested in that name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth. Only a being and a name that carried totality of authority could command that respect in those three areas. Am I helping you? So the Lord is our victory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The demons had a, had a, had a, a, a slight revealing of this. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Come to torment us before the time. And what, and what did Jehovah, our victory, say? Hush up and come out of him. Right? Notice this now. Psalm 23. Psalm 23 and verse 1. Whew. My God. Hallelujah. 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 That, that, that was Jesus' reward. That was, that was Jesus, how, how can I say this? That, that was the reward of Jesus for being obedient. That, that was the reward of the Son 
who is perfect and sinless and had never known a day without fellowship with the Father, his reward was this, that you'll go to the earth and you'll die and you'll not only suffer death, you'll suffer spiritual separation from me. And for the first time in eternity, you will not know what it's like to be in communion with me. And that's why Jesus groaned in his spirit and said, My God, why have you forsaken me? And for that moment of time, there's a separation between God the Father and God the Son. But God said this, in the councils of eternity past, when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost made a covenant, and God told the Son, if you will go and die for the sins of humanity, amen, and be willing to go into hell, I will send the Holy Spirit, and He'll raise you up on the third day, Amen. Jesus, am I helping you with this? Jesus went to the cross by faith. Jesus went into the grave by faith. Jesus went into the belly of the earth by faith. And in the belly of hell, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24, all outline this in some fashion. It says that Jesus began to praise and worship God in hell, thanking him for his deliverance, thanking him for his victory. And it said God heard him and brought him out. And his reward was that all power now is invested in that name. Hallelujah. And great wars are fought over that. Well, it's, it's oneness or it's, it's trinity. It's the name. It's God willingly divesting himself of that authority and power and investing it in the name of Jesus until all things come to pass. And when they all come to pass, he's going to give it all back to the Father. Oh, glory to God. Psalm 23 and verse 1, you know this. But notice, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jehovah Ra. Jehovah Ra. R-A-A-H. The Lord Jehovah Ra is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. Notice that. No, notice that there's, there's no caveat there. There's no parenthetical statement. There's no condition. It's period. The Lord is my shepherd. I, because the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. Now put it together. Why will I not want? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because the same Lord that is my shepherd is Jehovah Jireh who will see and provide and is Jehovah Nisi who is my victory. And because he's my provider and my victory, I can't want. Amen. Hallelujah. John 10. And verse 11, he said here, Psalm 23, then John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So when you say, Jesus, there's no want in your life. Hallelujah. It's in the name. 
And, 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 and that's why people try to, to come up with different things and, and, and different uh, uh, theological things that sound deep and they sound, they sound, you know, really out there. I've, I've learned something over the years. If something is hard for you to understand or makes you question all the time, it was either A, taught wrong, or you didn't listen. Deep does not mean hard to understand. Let me tell you something deep. God became man. As the kids say, mind blown. God became man. Right? Isn't that right? Here's something deep. You come to God with a black heart of sin. It's washed in red blood and made white as snow. Here's something deep. You came to the altar, a failure, a sinner, had not lived for God any of your life, and in 30 seconds you were made a new creature, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, justified, glorified, And your past was forgotten. The old you died and a brand new you came up. But yet you went home and your hair was the same color. Your eyes were the same color. Nothing had changed. But yet Bible says everything had changed. That's deep. That's deep. Just throwing words around isn't deep. Amen. And the astronomical, theological, ramificational, doctrinational, homiletical, hermeneutical, theological, slap a lap I'm not putting anybody down or running anybody down. I'm just trying to tell you. If, if we are going to see God do... Everything God wants us to do, we've got to take it back to this essence. We have been given the authority through the name of Jesus to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Why can we have authority over all the power of the enemy? Because all of God has been invested in the name of Jesus and there's nothing in all of God that cannot overcome all the power of the enemy. If you've got all of God, you are a winner over all of everything else. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. So because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hallelujah. Notice Judges 6.24. Judges 6.24. Am I helping you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Judges 6 and 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day, it's yet in Ophrah of the Abazarites. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. The Lord is my peace. Look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. In the prophecy about Jesus, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. 
it says that, that, that you will call his name, right? One of them is Emmanuel, God with us. But then he says, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Is that right? Well, the Bible says Gideon called God Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. But Isaiah said that Jesus would be called the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Notice in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and verse 39. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said, Master, do you not care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now remember something. The Lord is my peace. So if we look at it from this standpoint of our teaching and our preaching, who was in the boat? Jehovah Shalom. Jesus did not just have peace. He was peace. And when he rose and spoke Peace be still. He was speaking out of what he is. Everything God speaks into your life and declares over your life, he can only declare it because that's a part of what he is. When God says, I'm going to bless you going in and coming out, it's because within him is this Jehovah Jireh that wants to see the need and provide the need. God provides for you out of what is in him. When he says... From his riches in glory. It's not talking about a bank account. It's not talking about a vault in heaven. It's talking about the glory of God. And that's ultimately how your need is supplied. It comes from God himself. So when the waves and the winds. That were caused we believe by demonic forces. And the disciples see. They marveled. And what they say, what manner of man is this? They had never seen God in a man. But notice, remember what Jesus expected of them? Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? Right? But when Jesus stood up, he wasn't working a Jesus trick. He was Jehovah Shalom. He was the creator of that wind and that water. And that water and that wind recognized his voice. But because you are God-occupied, When you speak the word of God, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, bear with me, strap in. 
It is just like Jehovah Shalom stepped up in that boat and said, peace, be still. When you look at your life and you say, quiet down in the name of Jesus. Peace, come into my life. It's not just you speaking. It's the God inside of you speaking. Never lose sight of the fact that you are the temple of the living God. And all the plurality of God dwells on the inside of you. And when you begin to declare the word of God, it's just like God himself himself saying it the only way that you can create with your words can you the only way you can create with your words is that God's on the inside of you amen when God brought the animals to Adam he brought them to him to name them Amen. It was up to Adam what he called them. And you know they're still called that. How did he have that wisdom? How did he have that ability? Because the Bible says God formed man from the dust of the earth and that then God breathed into man the breath of life. It's the Hebrew word ruach. It's the breath that comes out of a person into another person. It's the physical breath of a person. God literally breathed his DNA into Adam. And when God breathed his DNA into Adam, Adam had access to the wisdom of God. The Bible says that you were not born again by corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the seed of the word of God. You have been infilled. You have been indwelled by the very presence and essence of God through God. God the Holy Spirit, the breath of God came into you. You have access to all the wisdom of God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So he is my peace. Shalom. It's more than restful emotions. It's a condition of protection and health and strength and blessing. He's that right now where we're concerned. Oh, God. Look at Jeremiah 23 and 6. Jeremiah 23 and 6. It says, In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our Righteousness. The, 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 the phrase in the Hebrew is Jehovah to Sid Canoe. Jehovah to Sid Canoe. The Lord, our righteousness. That's what He is. He is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. You know this verse, but notice what it says. For He hath made Him to be sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of God in Him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. But of Him are you in Christ, who hath been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Notice though, of him, now wait a minute, 
of, preposition of, denotes the substance that something came out of, the foundation, the formation of him. Who's him? God. Of him are you. Stop right there. You're of God. You're of God. Lord, help me say this right. God pays no attention to your earthly pedigree because you're of Him. There's a lot of people that struggle more than they should because they see themselves as a body and not as a spirit. If you don't see yourself as a spirit, you'll never see yourself of God. Say it out loud. God is my Father. Say it again. God is my Father. Now, if God is your Father, God's in you. And not just in you, like dwelling in you, in you, in your spiritual DNA. I am MJ Steele's boy. I cannot escape that. If you took my, he's in heaven, but if you took his DNA and my DNA, it would be a match. He is my Father. Not because he lives in me, but because I'm of him. You are not God's because God lives in you. You are God's because you are of God. God gave birth to you. God God brought you to life. God is the reason you exist. And because you have become a because you have become God inside minded, God could then take residence on the inside of you because you are of him. God dwells in nobody that's not of him, but you're of him, so he's in you. <laughs> of him are you Wait a minute. In Christ. Of him are you in Christ. So this is Paul's reference to salvation. In Christness or in Christed. Of him are you in Christ who of God. Now notice. You are of God. Do you see that? In Christ. Who of God. You're of God. Christ is of God. God has a son named Jesus and a son named Philip. And he's the father of both of us. He had a perfect son that never sinned. He, had a, he has an imperfect son that has sinned. But yet because of our lineage, both of us being in Christ and both of us being of God, he looks at us the same and has given us equal seating beside the Father at his right hand. I'm not 5,000 seats down. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places because I'm of God and in Christ. He's made unto us wisdom and righteousness, standing, justification. Do you see this? Why? Because He is Jehovah to Sidkenu. He is my righteousness. Oh, God. He is my righteousness. He is my righteousness. That's why the enemy fights that in you so much. You're right standing in God. Amen. I said something this morning, and I feel led of the Lord to say it again. 
any believer, it is a travesty for the devil to oppress, depress, or otherwise repress any believer for any extended period of time. When God himself dwells on the inside of us. Right? Remember we've heard the story of Wigglesworth? And the, walked to the bus stop. And the lady came and the little, little, little schnauzer dog or whatever it was came. And first of all she said, now honey go on back home. Go back home. Bus is coming. Now go back home. And the dog just wagged his tail. And, right? And she looked, and the bus was coming. She goes, now go on home, go on home, go on home. Well, the bus is about a block away. Now, you need to go home. Bus got real close right there where she could see it. She Wigglesworth said she stomped her foot and said, get, go home. That dog took off. And Wigglesworth said I was there, and I couldn't help myself. I said, yes, that's how you got to do the devil. Amen. I think of men that, I, that have had such an impact on my life that have got this revelation. Dr. Lester Summerall was on the big island of Hawaii. He's there to negotiate the deal for a television station that's going to reach the nations. And he said, I'm in my room. And he said, all of a sudden, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And a cold chill came over me. And he said, I recognized that the devil was in my room. And he said, I heard the devil say, I don't want you in these islands. You go from here. And Dr. Summerall said, I turned around and I said, I'm not going anywhere. You go. Amen. I'm not going anywhere. You go. And he said, it, it took a few minutes for that feeling to leave. But he said, he left. I'm helping you. Because he knew who he was and who he was of. It is illegal for the devil to touch you. I got, I got Bible for it. It, it. it is illegal for the devil to touch you and your family. Because we're not his property. We've been bought with a price. Is that right? Let me, let me tell you another story. Dr. Summerall was in a country, and he said he was walking through the village one day and he saw a witch doctor standing there and this witch doctor had a huge bullfrog and he was he was pouring a mixture of wine and blood into that bullfrog and then he turned that frog up and drink it out of that frog and then he'd pour more in and drink it dr summerall said he went up and slapped hands on that witch doctor and said in the name of jesus come out of him he said he fell over with a thud he got up in his right mind. He led him to the Lord. Got him filled with the Holy Spirit. He said he was in his home, in his room that night with the missionary he was staying in. And he said all of a sudden, he said the, the, the cold chill came in that room. And the curtain stood straight out. And the bed started shaking violently and shook all the way across the room. And Dr. Summerall said, I sat up in that bed and I said, hey, devil, I recognize you. I cast you out of that man today. You stop it in Jesus' name. Leave this room. He said, the bed stopped shaking. The cold chill left. The curtains came back down. He said, I laid back down on my pillow, and he said, it hit me. And I sat back up, and I said, hey, devil, get back in here. He's calling for the devil. 
He knew his authority. He said, the cold chill came back out. The window, the, the curtain stood straight back out. The bed started shaking violently. And he said, I said out loud, devil, when you came in this room, my bed was against that wall. Now you put it back in Jesus' name. You need to shout real loud right now. Devil, put it back. Say, devil, put it back. And he said, the bed shook over to the wall. And he said, now leave. And he left. Because he knew who he was of and who he was in. He was sitting in his room in Manila, Philippines, in a little room, that little apartment that his family had over the, the, the area where they were going to build a church out of an old B-52 bomber hangar. And he said, I was listening to the radio, and all of a sudden the news report came on and said, we're here at Billy Bit Prison in Manila, Philippines, and we're going, to be, we're going to be going into the area, and they called it where the beast is at. And there was a little 13-year-old girl named Car uh, uh, Clarita Villanueva that had been a prostitute on the streets of Manila, Philippines. And she had become so possessed with devils that they were manifesting and biting her body. And he said, I was there and I heard the anguish screams and cries. And he said, God spoke to him and said, I want you to go deliver her. And Dr. Summerall said, I went, get somebody else. I don't have a deliverance ministry. Remember what he said? God spoke to Dr. Summerall and said, I don't have anybody else. What I hear when I hear that is, I don't have anybody else that knows who they're of and who they're in. I only got you. Remember? And he said he went to that place. The next couple days he got permission, and he went. And they brought that girl in with the doctors. And then Dr. Summerall came in with the Catholic priest and the other ones. Now watch. And he walked up to that table, and this girl who could not speak English stood up and began to curse him in perfect English. Now I'm going to tell you what she said. Now, I'm not cussing, but hear what I'm saying. This is important where this is concerned. She said, that's Lester Summerall. He's a bastard. Dr. Summerall said he walked up to her, to that devil, and he said, I am not a bastard. He said, my father is George Summerall. My mother was Betty Summerall. I was born in this city. I was born on this date. My parents were happily married their whole life. I was born into a happily wedded union. Now, why is that important? Because the enemy will always try to attack your standing. Your birth certificate on this earth is proof of your right to exert authority over the enemy because you are a flesh and blood man. He is the outsider on this planet, not you. You are the one that's in authority. And that's why when he tries to make things hard on you in this earth, it is a trespass. It is illegal. It is outside the covenant realm of victory. You don't have to put up with it. Amen. I need to tell you, he cast the devil out of that girl, both of them. And then he taught her to use her authority. Amen. And she got married and started teaching Sunday school. Amen. If you know 
who you're of and who you're in. And you're standing. You, you've just become the devil's worst nightmare. <laughs> let me, let me, can, you're not supposed to have problems with the devil. Amen. Let me, let me say that one more time and see if I can get a little more amplification. You're not supposed to have problems with the devil. Now, here's what I mean by that. Not that he won't try to mess with things, but when you catch him messing, you run him off. Let me give you an example. The Lord's had me praying this over the last few months. I haven't talked a lot about this publicly, but I will. I was praying one morning. And the Lord said something to me. I talked about it a little bit this morning. He said, don't be deceived and don't listen to things that would deceive. And he said this. He said, I need you to start praying that the sword of the lying tongue would be dulled and that the sword of the lip of truth would be sharpened. And he said, as you pray that way, deception is going to begin to be exposed. This whole thing, folks, that the world's dealing with, it's become a political pawn. It's become a political ploy. You're being lied to. People will say, yeah, but people have died. I'm not discounting that. But let me, let me help you with this. The recent statistic came out, and, and I'm going to give you the, 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 the lower number just so I can be sure that I don't exaggerate, that somewhere around 76% of people that have died of this virus would have died anyway because of a pre-existing condition. I'm not discounting their death. It's, it's horrible that anybody died. But when you do the numbers, that means that it's like under 1% of people that have really died because of the virus. But there are believers that have been in their house since March and won't come out and they'll tell you that they believe they have power and authority over all the power of the enemy but yet they'll tell you COVID-19 is of the devil but yet they won't come out of their house because they might catch something. Yeah, but pastor, there's a threat. 150,000 people died today of something. <laughs> Maybe I'll move on. Either we have authority over all the power of the enemy, or we don't. I'm not telling you to be foolish, but we live in a world where the curse is loose. We, the Bible says in Philippians that we're to what? We're to walk as children of light, to bring the light into the earth. Are you following me? What is the church for but the time we live in? 
I'm going here for this reason. All seven of these compound names lives on the inside of you through the one name of Jesus. Jesus dealt with people every day with communicable diseases. He laid his hands on lepers. He laid his hands on people that were considered ceremonially unclean. He dealt with people that nobody wanted anything to do with. And then he said, you are my body. You are my church. And you go into the world and you do the same thing. We cannot shutter the, the windows, lock the doors, and pull back from our society. We are here to be a difference maker in the world and influence our society with the gospel. Because we know who we're of and who we're in. Am I helping you? <laughs> Notice in Ezekiel 48, verse 35. Now I want to be clear. I'm not making light of anything. But, but I need you to understand something. If you're putting your trust in a mask against the power of the devil, you got a problem. Because you watch, you, it'll morph, it'll, it'll, it will shift. You watch, it's going to come out not too long that you don't need it anymore. I'm just going to tell you the truth, and I'm not bragging. I've watched, and my wife will verify this. Everything the Lord has said to us has come to pass just like the Lord said it. Amen. And you mark my words. Because anything that's deceptive will shift. It will morph. Because they got to shift it. Remember, you needed to wear gloves. Don't touch anybody. And then what happened? All of a sudden it came out, oh, it's not as easily trans transmitted by touch as we thought. But I sat in the DMV the other day. I was sitting as far as me to James from a guy. And I had the face covering on because they told me I couldn't come in without it. I'm not against that. I want you to hear my heart. But I watched the guy, younger than me. Fit, robust. Watch him putting on double gloves. I got to get gloved up here. Don't know what you might touch. If you wear gloves, don't you wear them in fear. Because if you wear them in fear, you are compounding fear. I know they're telling us to wash our hands. I don't know about you. I always wash my hands. <laughs> and, I, and, and I need you to hear me. I'm saying this for a reason. I'm not making light of, of anything. I'm not making light of anything that's going on. I'm saying what has happened to people in the church that would shout about authority and do Jericho marches and command and declare and say, I can move a mountain, but then a pandemic shows up and everything changes. Now I'm waiting to be led of the Spirit to come to church. You are not supposed to be led by the Spirit to do anything the Bible tells you to do. Have to be led of the Spirit to come to church. Scripture says in Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. 
And it says, get together even more as you see the day approaching. If the church really believed that this is part of Matthew 24 and that this is one of the plagues that's going to be poured out that Jesus said was going to come to pass in the last days, we would be packing out the church more than we ever did before. If we really believed we were in the end of the end days, we would be more on fire for Jesus than we've ever been before. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it publicly and online. I don't care what they say. I'm not shutting my church down. They, 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 they told Jesus, they said, Herod is upset with you, threatening you. What Jesus say? You go tell that fox, Herod. I'm going to do miracles today, and I'm going to raise the dead tomorrow, and on the third day, I'm going to be glorified. powers that be, you listen to me. I'm not shutting my church down. I'm not closing. I'm not limiting anything. I'm not, I'm not doing it because I have a higher power and a higher authority that I have to answer to. I am not going to stand before my governor or before my senator or before my president. I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and give an account to him for what I did and didn't do. Hallelujah. Did you find Ezekiel 48? I only got two more verses. When, 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 when God told us to pray about deception, and I say this lightly, you know we have a, a sister church right in another state. Y'all know the state? And when we started praying that way, it came out just two days ago. The governor has been fudging the numbers because she put out a mask mandate and the numbers were not there to support it. And so she doctored the numbers. I did the math. I've got her decree. I did the math of the number of people in Kansas. And they put out the number of people that had the COVID and died from it. The number that got the, that got the virus, it was less than 1%. The number that died was less than 0.0.1%. But they doctored the numbers to put people in fear because fear controls people. And if they can keep you afraid, they can keep you controlled. Now, you know that. But when you start praying, look at the authority we possess. When we, and, and I know I'm not the only one that's been praying that. I know God's laid it on other people's hearts to pray it. But ever how many of us there was, our prayers started showing up deception. Now don't just let that slide by. Pay attention to that. Because hear me. Oh, Lord, I'll say that. Hear me. This election that's coming up. It is the most spiritually important election we've ever had. And I know there have been things said through men of God that I have great confidence in. One of them is already in heaven. And I've never known his prophecies to ever fall to the earth. And he said there will be two terms of a praying president. 
He's the one that said when Trump was elected, he said when President Trump is elected, they will shout impeach, impeach, but it will not happen. And he said he will come in praying like a a lamb and leave roaring like a lion. I believe we got another term of a praying president. But I'm not just going to sit back and act like we got this. Am I helping you? I just feel like that preachers have gotten more concerned about being cool than they have about being real. If you talk about fasting to modern day ministers, they don't know what you're talking about. Because we got a program for that. We can replace fasting with a program. I mean, we want to get people, all we got to do is open a new kid's wing and we'll get all kind of people. God changed my life in the middle of a 40 day fast. My ministry. I was reading a book one time by W.V. Grant Sr., not Junior, W.V. Grant Sr., powerful man of God in the days of the voice of healing. And he wrote a book called Must I Fast 40 Days? I'm not telling you to fast 40 days. I'm just saying that's, that was the name of the book. And he talked about his first fast of three days and how God impacted his life. And then he said, I went on a fast of seven days and God impacted my life. And then 21 days and God impacted my life. And he said, then God said, I want you to fast 40 days. And he said, must I fast 40 days? But God impacted his life. I read that. And I've never been one to just read and try to duplicate what somebody did. But I kept feeling the Lord leading me to do that. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to fast. And and this is my goal is to fast this number of days. I'm not preaching this for doctrine. I'm trying to explain something to you. I was assistant pastor at a church that the pastor had asked me to come and be assistant pastor and do the preaching. She was so sick, she could not preach. She could not minister. She had such things going on in her body. They had just built a brand new sanctuary, beautiful sanctuary, would seat probably 350, 400 people, and had maybe 25 or 30 people. Amen. And I remember the first message that God asked me to preach was, and, 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 and it had to do with, with, with Jonah going to Nineveh and preaching the word of God. And the king and all the people repented, and they put on sackcloth and ashes and repented before God. And I made the statement. It wasn't in a condemning fashion, but I made the statement. If we would repent before God for the things that have been going on, God will visit this body. Amen. I'm telling you, revival struck that night. People were running to the altars. Amen. I had people try to get me to come off that fast. I had the pastor come to my house and say, Philip, you're losing weight. Philip, you know, you're, you're getting skinny. You know, and, and, and I looked at him. And you remember what I said? I said, you just don't understand. This is something God's asked me to do. This is not just about not eating. This is about sanctifying myself and consecrating myself to what God wants me to do for the rest of my life. 
You could not come to that church and not get healed. I know of three verified cases of cancer, some in their last stages, that people were instantaneously healed. They brought a young boy in there with on seven different allergy medications. He was allergic to everything. Laid hands on that young boy, probably five or six years of age. His mother took him to the doctor the next day. And the next day, the doctor said he's not allergic to anything. He was allergic to everything the day before and allergic to nothing the day after. Power comes the same way power has always come. Through you being a willing vessel to the things of God. There's got to be things in the life of a man or a woman of God that we want more than we want food, that we want more than we want entertainment, that we want more than we want the the legitimate pleasures of life where we draw ourselves away and say, God, I want to see you move like I've never seen you move before. That's what, we, that, that's what we're moving into. This, this season, this time, where the church is going to be put on display. He said the harvest is coming. The babies are coming. He said the harvest would be great. And we're seeing that over and over again. All throughout the church, we're seeing people get born again. People get changed. Lives get changed. We're not here to entertain. We're not here to just make a good feeling. We're here to impact our culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord said through Prophet Ford, he said this Sunday, he said Little Rock will be the hub. I never told anybody this. How long ago did the Lord tell me? Over a year ago. And I told you, the Lord spoke to me and said Little Rock was going to become the hub. That was the exact word. This place is strategic. Strategic. And everyone that comes here and that's a member of this body, you're not here by accident. You're not here because you couldn't go somewhere else. You're here because God has brought you here for such a time as this, for this season, for this time, to accelerate you into your purpose. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Revesi Kamateshi Komaha. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Because you have no reason, the Lord says, to ask the question, what's going to happen? I've outlined in my word what's going to happen. I've placed it within the pages of Scripture what is going to occur. I said in my word that as the last days, the end times approached, and as the spirits of wicked men and wicked spirits increased, that you would see some of these things in the world. But I said to you also that the righteous would be bold as a lion, that they would shine as the stars in heaven. My church has always thrived in times of pressure, in times of tribulation. My church will rise to the occasion. My church will rise to the top. This is but a bump in the road. And when I say this, the Lord says, not just about the natural things, the pandemic, the financial issues. This is a spiritual challenge. This is a spiritual fight that I've called you to enter into. I've called you to enter into this warfare and to overcome and to be the dominant force that I've ordained you to be in this city, in this state, in your nation, and ultimately your world. So I've prepared this time as a divine restart. And there are those under the sound of my voice tonight that I tell you that you can in the Spirit punch the restart button and begin again. That's the season that you're in. And for those that will stay steady and those that will stay committed and those that will stay determined, Ha-ha. Not in a clichéic sense, but there's a fresh anointing coming on you. And it will be accompanied by a greater demonstration of the gifts of power than have ever been seen before. Because the season that the church is entering into is that when sinners walk through the door, they will begin to cry out, I know of a surety that God is in this place. And as the people of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ pull themselves apart and consecrate themselves and sanctify themselves unto me and say, God, I'm going to give up this for the, for the presence of God in my life on a deeper measure, then when they encounter people, it will be the fact that the presence and the anointing and the power of God can flow more freely and flow more easily and impact them on a greater level. And you will see people saved on the street. You'll see people saved in the store. You'll see people saved in the church. You'll see people saved in your home. That neighbor that has never listened to you tell them about Jesus, when you're mowing your yard, the Holy Spirit will be so evident upon you that they will ask you how can I receive what you have and the door will be open and that comes from setting yourself apart and saying God I want to be a vessel that you can use oh thank you Father thank you Father hallelujah so Father we say tonight I I, I should say Anybody that wants to, you can just put your hand on your heart. 
Raise your other hand to the Lord. Say, Father, tonight you can count me in. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this harvest. So count me in. I submit, I dedicate, I consecrate myself to you on a whole other level. And I hit the restart button. And I move into all you've asked me to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your glory. Thank you, Father.